0: Good afternoon, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 49, and we are going to take a look at the book of Lamentations. We're going to look at chapter 3, verses 24 through 26, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. So let's take a look at this puppy. It says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. How beautiful is that? That's wonderful. The first thing that got my attention the first time I read this and tried to do a podcast today, I'm just going to say it like it is. I tried to record this earlier and it went off the rails, so I deleted it. The first thing that got my attention with this reading was, the Lord is my portion. The thing that got my attention the second time trying to film this podcast is, I say to myself. So let's take a look at all of this. So technically the first thing that got my attention was, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is supposed to be first thing in our lives, because if we put anything else in front of him... We are not doing what we are supposed to be doing. The other part that I really love about that first section is I say to myself. So this verse, this part of it says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, meaning we are supposed to be speaking to ourselves. We are supposed to be speaking the goodness of God. That's very important because how we talk to ourselves is how we talk to other people. I look at it this way. I try and view myself as God sees me because whenever I don't view myself as God sees me, that's when I go off the rails. That's when I'm negative. That's when I get off track. That's when I'm frustrated with life. And if I need to pause and take a step back, then I do that. If I need to take a moment, I do. I've learned to do that. I've learned to rest. I've learned to relax because being naturally relaxed is not natural to me. I was not raised in a relaxing environment. It was very stressful. It was very tense. It was always like nothing the kids did. Nothing we ever did was good enough. So it always led to this do more, do more, do more, be more, be more, be more. And th- and there just comes a point when you got nothing and you feel like nothing. But here's the thing. When you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you know that the Lord is your portion. And you have to say that to yourself because it says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Who are we waiting for? Are we waiting for good things to come from our employer are we waiting for a relationship to finally work out? We shouldn't be waiting for those things. We should be putting our hope and our faith in God. Because we're waiting on something good. We're not putting people in charge of our life. We're putting God in charge of our life. goes on to say, The Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in Him. Who are we putting our hope and trust in? Are we putting it in ourselves? I surely hope not. Because you and I are mortal beings, we're not immortal, so why would you put your hope and your faith in yourself? That doesn't mean that you degrade yourself or that you or that you don't love yourself. It just means that you put your hope and your faith in the one that created you. Because he will always be there for you no matter what, and that is our Heavenly Father. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Who are we seeking? Are we seeking acceptance from society? Are we seeking popularity at school or at our work, at our jobs, our our relationships? You know, who are we seeking and what are we seeking? Goes on to say, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, that last part, when I read that, when I initially recorded this podcast, I realized I wasn't. Conveying God's holy word correctly. Because I got to thinking about, it, I was like, everything I just said in this previous podcast, the one that I deleted, because I was like, I'm not posting this. It was just browbeating, and I was like, that's not who I am. I can't stand browbeating, and I would never want someone to feel like they're being browbeaten, because I know what that's like. I grew up in that at the home or in the home. And then at church, it was like we could never get away from it. It's like we're never good enough. We can never be enough. And it's like there is just always this civil unrest, but on the inside of my soul. And I got to thinking about when I was thinking about my podcast, I was like, you know what? If it's if it's not something that I would want to hear, then I'm not going to put it on my podcast. If it's not something that I think would help me, I'm not going to put it on there. Because believe me, I went through a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it was it was a lot. And just... I just thought I'd rather focus on the goodness of God than list off all the things I can't stand. Because what I did was... I listed off a whole bunch of things that I can't stand, and I, I basically addressed how to make those things better. But it just, to me, it just came across as browbeating. And I just thought, you know, that's not at all what this verse says. It's not how we're supposed to handle stuff. It says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, it's kind of hard to find peace when someone's yelling at you. And I wasn't yelling. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that it's very difficult to find peace when you're uncomfortable. When someone's intense. And when someone's just irritated about something. And believe me, I was definitely irritated about a lot of things. But it's one of those moments where I thought, you know, I don't want to be known for being a brow-beating preacher of any kind or, or a brow-beating person or someone that's negative. Because I got to thinking about it, I was like, well, you know, of all the messages that people can listen to, if someone's listening to my podcast, out of, out of everybody else, I mean, there's Joyce Meyer, there's Joel Olsteen, there's Jerry Savelle, there's Kenneth Copeland, there's Jesse Duplantis, I mean, there's Kenneth Copeland Ministries, um You know, there's so many other preachers that that I can't even think of off the top of my head that that I I listen and watch. And I thought, you know, would I listen to them the way I was speaking previously? You know, when I when I first did this recording, I was like, I don't think I would listen to that because it doesn't help me. So I thought, well, if it's not something that I would want, then I'm not going to post it and I'm not going to I'm not going to do that anymore. Because that last part of the verse, as soon as I read it and I was doing this podcast, I thought, I'm a hypocrite. That's literally what I thought. I was like, I am a hypocrite. Here I am saying that I hated what I was raised in because it just felt like I was being browbeaten. And here I am browbeating my listeners or anyone that's listening to this. I just, you know, God forgive me for that. That is not who I am and I realized that you know it's very easy to fall back into what you were raised in and immediately when I read that it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord I realized my soul was not quiet you know you can have a conversation with someone but your soul can be quiet you know you know, you can be calm you know you can have joy in your life but if your soul isn't quiet, that's a whole different ball game. And so, I don't know how else to say this, but God corrected me. In a very gentle way, mind you. He's never harsh. His holy word is a form of correction, technically. And immediately when I read, it is good to wait quietly, that word quietly. I was like, I haven't been quiet at all in this podcast. I, I mean, At least on the inside. You know, yes, I was speaking, but there was just this agitation. I was like, I realized that I'm not happy about some things that happened to me as a child. Or even a teenager. I mean, my life has been far from easy. Although on the surface, if you were ever to meet me or see me, you would probably think she has it all. She's self-sufficient. You know, she's got a great life, probably had a wonderful childhood, loves Jesus. You know, and it is true I love Jesus, that is for sure. But pretty much everything else I just said is not true. My childhood was Hell. My faith life, hell. It, it basically didn't exist. What did exist was hell in my life because that's what I had at home. But yet, if you were to come over to my, to my family's house, back in my hometown, and you, and you looked at all the pictures growing up, you wouldn't see hell. Because they're pictures. They're posed. You always smile for the camera. Here's the thing. Sometimes people look at a picture or a photo and they think that that represents everything that person is. And that's not true. What's interesting is that when we read the Holy Word of God, whatever is represented there in God's Holy Word is who He is. There's no mask to it. There's there's nothing fake to God. You know, whenever we got our family portraits done, this is upsetting to me to say, but um, it just felt fake and fraudulent. Because I knew on the inside I wasn't happy. I could have happy moments. But a happy moment doesn't make up for the hell that you're going through. And so whenever someone is looking from the outside in, they're not seeing it from the inside out. You know, it's almost like a sweater. You know, when you snag a sweater and you're looking for where the snag is, well, guess what? Sometimes you have to turn the sweater inside out to find the thread. You have to find where that starts and then you stitch it up from the inside out. Not the outside in. Because if you know anything about clothing, if you stitch from the outside to the inside, it will probably come unraveled. Because, I don't know if you notice this, like for example, if you have a pair of slacks. If you look at the very bottom of your slacks where the hemline is, fold it over and take a look at the stitching. What you're going to notice is that on the outside, you know, the pant leg that you and I would see on the outside, it looks like a perfectly good hem. Flip it over, and you see the reason why it looks good on the outside is because of the work that's done on the inside. If the, if the workmanship is good on the opposite side, on the inside of the fabric, that's what, make your, that's what makes your pants look good. So if you flip up the edge of that fabric, more than likely it, they used a serger. Because it's a very tight knitting. it's It's very precise, as opposed to being done by hand or with just a regular sewing machine. Because a serger, a lot of times they use anywhere from three to five threads to reinforce a stitch. Whereas a sewing machine and sewing by hand just uses a single thread. So needless to say, If you think someone's family life is great and you're just looking at a photo where everybody's smiling. I mean, you haven't seen very many documentaries, have you? I mean, just just be real here. You know, there's a lot of hidden misery in the human soul. And the enemy wants it to stay there, but God does not. God wants us to be free from that misery. He doesn't want us to live in anger, anxiety, or, or keep reliving the past. And what I recognized was when I was first filming this podcast about lamentations, I was, I was reliving something that I knew I had let go, but it had resurfaced. See, that's what misery does. That's what pain does. Sometimes it bubbles up to the surface. You know what traumatic events are like? Traumatic events are like sinking ships that have gone down to the bottom of the ocean. And every once in a while, the oil or whatever was in that ship will come up to the surface and boil. You'll have a bubble. Maybe boil isn't the right word because that would imply heat. It comes up to the surface and there's a bubble. See, that's why traumatic events, why they are not ordinary events. Because, you know, there are different things to them that can resurface and it's when you least expect it. Like I wasn't expecting to think of something from my past While I was filming this podcast. And I didn't realize that. I was agitated because of that. Because I wasn't even speaking about what happened to me in my childhood per se. I was speaking about something else. I was speaking about God's holy word. But I kid you not. When I read that it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I thought what am I doing? I am wasting my time. On a hellhole situation that happened 30-something years ago, because I'm 38, And it's like, I know I've let it go. I know I've prayed about it. I know I have, I have forgiven the people that hurt me. I know that. I know that for a fact. But I, I know when when something bubbles up to the surface and it just has that sting to it, right? Well, guess what? That was the enemy doing that. The enemy loves to use what hurt us in the past to destroy us in the present and ruin our future. But that's not what God wants. It says right here, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Basically, he's saying, trust me. Trust me. I love you. I care for you. I will always defend you. I will always guard you and protect you. You have nothing to worry about. The devil will use what happened to you. As a way to hinder you. And I should have recognized that, you know, the last individual that wants me to do this podcast is the enemy. The enemy wants to remind me of all the hell I went through. Especially in what I was raised in. And I've gone through some hardships as an adult as well. I mean, I mean, the pain and suffering, it's there. I mean, it just is. But here's the thing. When you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you have the strength to endure things you never thought you could endure. See, God didn't promise us a pain free life. He promised us His blessing. He promised us, you know, everything that He gave to Abraham belongs to us because Abraham is our spiritual father. So if God be for me, who dare be against me? So I got done with the podcast and I was like, you know, I'm hungry. I've waited a really long time to go eat lunch. I was eating lunch like an hour or two late, and I didn't feel very good. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go eat lunch. So I go to McDonald's, one of my favorite places to go. I get a, a kid's Chicken McNugget four-piece meal, one of my favorites, with barbecue sauce. I don't care if it's apple slices because they're gross. You know, I just request extra fries, which I hardly ever put extra fries in there. But anyway, so I normally bring it home to eat. But I was like, you know, I'm really hungry, and I don't feel very good. Because I know I'm having low blood sugar, so I, I park underneath the shade tree because it's like 102 right now in Oklahoma. And so I was like, you know what? I need to listen to Joel Olstein. So I turn on Joel Olstein, and guess what message was on? I mean, when you talk about divine intervention from a heavenly father, Joel Olstein had a message on. I think that was, I think he did this message like three or four years ago, maybe. And it was about not allowing the past to hinder you. I mean, I almost started crying, and I'm not a big crier. I really am not. Because we weren't raised to cry, especially the women. It's like, and if you did cry, you never did in public. You'd wait till you got home and you went to the bathroom and cried. It's like you hide it. It's, it's this constant concealment. Because heaven forbid someone be a human being kind of thing. That's just how we were raised. And I just thought, what are the odds I get to hear a wonderful message from Joel Olstein about letting go of the past and stop letting it hinder you. And he talked about ruling your day. Rule the day. Meaning, control your mind, control your emotions, control your thoughts. Because... You, you know your your thoughts precede your emotions and I just thought you know I can't argue with that you know I agree with it one hundred ten percent and I it just really warmed my heart to hear a positive message and I thought you know I need to delete the podcast I I just did. I mean I didn't even post it online but I just thought you know I know God's holy word. I know his word and I learn more every day. But unfortunately, I also know sorrow. I also know agony. I know pain. But guess what? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, bore all that pain on the cross at Calvary over 2,000 years ago. So why should you or I feel that pain anymore when he paid the price? That's what it's saying here. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It doesn't say, you know, ball your head off, scream, complain, be angry, be agitated. None of that. Because at the beginning of this passage, it says, the Lord is my portion. And we're supposed to be saying that to ourselves. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. I'm not waiting for my oppressors to apologize Most of them could care less whether I lived or died. I mean, I would love an apology, but, you know, we need to stop holding out for bad people to do good because we're not responsible for them. They are responsible for themselves. And this is probably going to sting some people, but the relationship that our our enemies have with God is more important than what they did to us. And here's why. And I know this probably may not make sense at this particular moment, but give me a chance here because I'm speaking from experience on this. The only way those people are going to change is if they give their life to Christ. Because if they don't acknowledge who Jesus is, they're not going to ever be repentant. So what they did to us or you or me or somebody else is going to continue to be irrelevant to them. Because they literally don't give a rat's posterior. But here's the thing. When someone recognizes they were wrong and they chose not to do good and they have a repentant heart, that's when Jesus can help them with this. But if they are not repentant, Jesus can't help them and God can't help them. So if Jesus can't help them and God can't help them, who are we to think that we're going to get an apology or that we can help change them? It's never going to happen. That's why Jesus tells us to forgive our enemies and ask God to bless them. Now, I've said this in another podcast. For the longest time, I did not understand what it meant to ask God to bless our enemy. I thought, oh, oh, they should win the lottery. I don't think so. That's not what that's talking about. When we ask God to bless our enemies, we're talking about asking God to make make himself known, which he already does that, but to make himself known. To this unbeliever or to a person that maybe does believe in God, but they're just so disrespectful that they don't care about God. But how do I describe this? Basically, their relationship with God is more important than their relationship with us. Because look at it this way. The relationship that we have with God is more important than the relationship we have with other people, whether they're good, bad or ugly. That's probably the best way I can put it. So when we put God first, everything else falls into place. That's what this is talking about. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. It's the Lord that is our portion. It's it's not somebody else. It's not favoritism. It's not our job. It's not our boss. It's not our boyfriend. It's not our husband. It's not our fiance, whatever the case may be. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Meaning, when you wait on the Lord, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Because he's going to bat for you. I guess sometimes, sometimes I have a hard time doing this podcast because I'm reminded of what I've gone through. And some of the things I've gone through have been really traumatic. Very traumatic. And in some instances, I'm surprised I survived. Some of the things have been so bad. And it's sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to describe the goodness of God. When you've been through so much, but you know that the reason why you're alive is because of the goodness of God. But you still have that memory of the hell you went through. You know who hurt you. You remember what they said, what they did, what they looked like, what they wore, their eye color. You remember what they drove. Like like your brain memorizes that stuff. And that's not an accident. God built us that way. It's for fight or flight. Our brain knows when to recognize danger. Like it memorizes things. Just like our immune system memorizes viruses and bacterium that our immune system has fought off. So that way if ever we are re-exposed to that virus or bacteria, our immune system goes, oh, I remember you. Yeah, you're done. Goodbye. I've already got um, T cells, B cells, and lymphocytes. I've already got those programmed to know to take you out. So so here's the thing. Let's say, for example, you have a strand of flu. I'll just call it 1, 2, 3, okay? Because you're exposed to strand of flu, numbered 1, 2, 3, you're never going to feel the effects of that strand again because your body built up immunity. So let's say, for example, you go to another country and their country is having to deal with, you know, the flu virus number one, two, three. Well, when you get there, you're not going to experience it at all because your immune system has already recognized it. You've already built up immunity. So you don't have this this full-fledged attack going on in your bloodstream because your body has already memorized that intruder, that invader, that oppressor, which was, in this example, an analogy, you know, the flu strand, one, two, three, which, again, is made up, okay? It's the same thing with traumatic events in our life. Our brain memorizes things. Unfortunately, the way that the enemy uses those against us in terms of our traumatic experiences, instead of us building up immunity to that hurt or that pain, The enemy wants us to continue to relive it, to relive it, to relive it. So that we're in this revolving door of misery and it's like we can't get out of this hell. Whereas God has delivered us from that pain and sorrow. Jesus Christ is basically our emotional and psychological immune system. He's already fought off all the misery and dread of this world. Which technically Jesus is our immune system. He's already fought off all, all the diseases on this planet. He bore all our sicknesses, all our sorrows, all of our pain, all of our suffering. He bore all that on the cross at Calvary over 2,000 years ago. So whenever we feel this agitation and when our, when our soul is not quiet, when it's not peaceful, that should be a definite sign that the enemy is trying to introduce a new emotional virus or a new lie into our life, into our brain, into our heart, so that we will believe it and just be agitated or frustrated. See, because as Christian believers, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord all the time, regardless of what happens. So even if a memory boils up to the surface or comes up to the surface, excuse me, it shouldn't bother us. It shouldn't offend us. It should be, yeah, I went through that, but I've overcome that. Big whoop. See ya. You know, it, it should be a nothing. Because to Jesus and to God, it is a nothing. Why? Because they defeated it. God's taken care of it. So just know that if you are not quiet in your heart and in your soul, that's the real issue. It's not the person you're dealing with. And I know that might shock some people, but... Just recognize that, hey, when you have peace in your heart and when your soul is quiet, you can handle anything. But if you don't have peace in your soul, if, if, you're, if your soul is not quiet, get, you know, get this. You can't handle hardly anything. You're irritated about this. You're angry about that. You're frustrated about this. You're annoyed by that. I mean, it's just, wow. We've got a lot to deal with as a people, right? But here's the thing. We're supposed to cast all those cares onto the Lord because we're not made to handle all that stuff. That doesn't mean that we don't handle our life and that we don't take responsibility for things. I'm just saying that we are not alone. And I'm so glad that the Lord corrected me. Because I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. This is what I'm going to do. Guess what? I was wrong. I was so wrong. I was off track. And the Lord corrected me with it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That doesn't mean never open your mouth. It means to have that sense of quiet and peace on the inside of you. Because if if you don't have peace in your heart... How can you be a peaceful person and how can you provide any kind of help to anybody else? Like how can you be a blessing to others if you yourself do not feel blessed and if you're not walking in the blessing of God? That's a big problem. Because technically as Christian believers, we are always supposed to be walking in the blessing of God. We are always supposed to be walking in the blessing of Abraham because that's a promise to us from God. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And we know that all of God's promises are true. So just know that, number one, you are not alone in your pain, agony, sorrow, hardships. You're not alone. There are so many people out there that have suffered, even in the body of Christ. And I think it's time that that we turned over a peaceful leaf that doesn't mean that we excuse the people that hurt us or harmed us. Not by any means. Not by any means. God will deal with them. I mean, you can still stand up for yourself and report things that you need to report. I'm all for that. Because sometimes we do need to report things, especially if it breaks the law. You know, just because we're Christian and we turn over a new leaf, that doesn't mean that, that we don't honor God anymore. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things that Sometimes Christians, they become doormats to the world. Oh, I'm a Christian. I can't speak up. I I can't um, report anything anymore. That is the direct opposite of what a Christian is. Christians are one of the few people that stand up for what's right these days. Because we do what we can to focus on God's holy word. Like, let me give you an example. How many people do you know that are living a holy lifestyle? I don't know very many. I'm meeting more and more now that I'm going to a good church. But prior to that, I didn't know very many people that were living a good holy life. And guess what? Our friendships hardly ever worked out. In fact, none of them worked out for me because I didn't live that lifestyle. And they didn't like being friends with me because they felt bad about their lifestyle. It's like, well, look, if you feel bad about your lifestyle, doesn't that tell you that your lifestyle isn't good? I mean, but but they don't want to change. And that's their choice. Only God can change them. You and I cannot change them. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We need to be quiet in our soul because we need peace in our souls. We need to experience that peace because that's part of, that is part of God's promise to us. He wants us to be a peaceful people. And again, that doesn't make us a doormat. That doesn't mean we don't call people out. That doesn't mean we don't defend our country. That doesn't mean we don't stand up for what's right. What's talking about is having peace on the inside of you. So that regardless of your circumstances, you know that if God before you, who dare be against you? That's what that means. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.